Hello, hello. Happy fall. <laughs> it is officially fall, <laughs> even though I don't think it is official, but uh, it feels official. Labor Day's over. We've got the cold weather coming in. Yep. The school buses are passing the our house. The school buses are passing our houses. I thought it was only appropriate that I put on my cutest fall sweatshirt, <laughs> uh, my Joe Mummy sweatshirt. So I'm excited. I really, I was thinking about it in summer and I was like, this sucks. I do not want to leave summer. Like I do not want it to get cold again. And I was like, I just don't see myself getting excited about fall this year. But once you know, it starts to get a little chilly and I can wear my sweatpants again and I am just happy. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I'm, I'm reserving the, I'm resisting <laughs> the urge to comment on the sweatpants. I don't care. I, this is, this is me in my natural form. I love my sweatpants. If I could live in my sweatpants every single day, I would. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Fall is like, it fall is always my favorite time. And I don't know why, for whatever reason this year, I was like really not looking forward to it. Like this summer, I just was like, oh, I just wanted to stay warm. Like this is so nice. And being able to sit on the deck while we work and stuff like that. And so I really did not think I was going to get excited about it. But then as soon as it started to creep in, I was like, oh, yep, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Fall movies, Halloween. Yeah. I mean, I I think Minnesota is probably one of the most beautiful oh, places on earth. Um absolutely during the fall. So there's just yeah, there's so much to look forward to. Unfortunately, it can be a very abbreviated season yeah, here in Minnesota. Right. Um so you have to kind of soak it in when you can. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I think fall went so fast last year, so maybe that has something to do with mm -hmm. me not looking forward to it as much thinking we were just going to skip right to winter, but yeah, it feels like fall today. Yeah. Okay, so we are talking about rejection today because unfortunately it is a pretty big part of life um, and it's something that a lot of people have a really hard time working through um, and it's including ourselves at one point or another. Um, it's something that shows up in a lot of different areas of life, including our personal lives, um, whether that be because of relationships, um, friendships, like people you're dating or married to or whatever, um, or if it's like making the sports team when you were younger or uh, getting into the school that you wanted to get into uh, for college um, or auditioning for something even. it. Rejection shows up in a lot of areas, so um, we wanted to talk about some ways of coping and working through rejection. Yeah, it's a very universal yet complex um, experience, I guess. Mm -hmm. All humans have it, but what's important to know is that it can stem from various factors. like. Um, it often originates from both internal and external sources. And I thought we could maybe talk about like, what are some of those factors so that when you're experiencing rejection, when you're actually feeling that emotion, 
you can better understand why you're feeling it. There is a lot of messaging that you've been exposed to, like, you know, rejection is hard or, um, you know, or you should be ashamed. Right. You should be ashamed. Right. And so when you better understand yourself and why you're feeling that emotion, because you are believing something oftentimes in error, um, you have a better chance at being able to kind of rectify that, to create a new neural pathway so that you are no longer reacting habitually, routinely with those kind of thoughts and you're actually more intentional when you're responding. So you notice that you're feeling rejected or you have been rejected, you can actually preempt that if you understand what that human reaction tends to be. Mm-hmm. Because most of us, you know, it doesn't end well. When we are reacting to a feeling from a feeling of being rejected, it doesn't usually end well. I mean, think about your own personal experiences. So mm-hmm. I can recall when I was um, in junior high trying out for a volleyball team that I didn't make. And I will never forget standing around this classroom where the team had been listed, the results had been posted of the tryouts, the results of the tryouts. And my name wasn't on the list. And I was overwhelmed with shame. I couldn't, I like, I literally couldn't actually even read. I was so ashamed that my name wasn't on that list. And it's and, brutal that they would put the list in front of the class. Oh yeah. Right. So this is like back in 1982. Um, oh, yeah, there was no consideration for young people's feelings back then. No kidding. Yeah. So as my friends were realizing my name wasn't on that list, you know, they turned from congratulating and hugging one another to looking at me and I just wanted to hide. And it wasn't so much disappointment that I wasn't going to be able to play. It was really, I was so ashamed of myself and I have carried that with me for so long. I'm so afraid of that feeling that comes with rejection that I will avoid it. And it's taken me a long time to, to see that pattern and how that pattern actually unfolds in my life to realize, actually, I can intercept that. Yeah. As, as I start to feel that emotion, I don't have to react. I can actually respond with a better you know, feeling thought. I can actually kind of assess what else is true. Um, it doesn't take away from the factors that often create rejection those are going to be there. Those are sometimes those are circumstances that we have no control over. Like in that moment, I had no control over whether my name was on that list or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I certainly could have chosen with intention, a better feeling thought. I didn't have those skills. And so hiding, shutting down was the only way I knew how to cope. And then going forward, the only way I knew how to cope with rejection was to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Now I know better. And, you know, and it's ironic that now I have like basically dedicated my life to helping people navigate rejection mm-hmm. because 
it really looks like you know people who navigate rejection are the people who actually go after their dreams right they don't let it stunt their growth yeah um i was just on a call this morning with a client who said you know do it afraid be willing to do it for no other reason than feeling the thrill of going after something that's really scary mm-hmm. and i was like yeah amen like how many of us think of it in that way the it being whatever you know challenge you're going after whatever goal you're pursuing yeah um i love when you say um shame can only hide in the dark because mm-hmm. uh, i just think that yeah rejection is like the fear of rejection is because of that shame that Mm -hmm. you feel after being rejected and it's like shame can only hide in the dark like you're only you only experience that shame if you're like avoiding those feelings so yeah yeah, I think that's really important to know yeah and so where does rejection come from I think it has a lot to do with kind of our biology the evolution of human beings you know we in a primitive state we were actually a part of tribes that we needed to be a part of in order to survive so when we are kind of an outcast or we find ourselves in a place where we're maybe not belonging Mm -hmm. it threatens our survival that's part of the human evolution so again this is an exercise and better understanding yourself. Like you're not a bad person because you're feeling shame because you've been quote unquote rejected. It actually stems back to, you know, the evolution of human humanity. Like right. you have to understand that. So, um, I think, you know, pursuing a better understanding of your own personal experience as well as like zooming out and looking at the bigger picture um, of why rejection is even a thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's not only seen in like personal um, areas of life, it's also seen in professional areas of life. Mm -hmm. Um, Like getting, not getting the job you wanted or um, being laid off from a job that you had or your projects or ideas not being like recognized mm-hmm. um and i think that there's varying degrees of tolerance for rejection too yeah. i think some people can tolerate rejection i think of salespeople, for example yeah. you know they are um building up resilience every single day through all of the no's that they get yeah you know so but those people who don't put themselves intentionally in those kind of positions to hear no one no which has been us we've been there right right yeah one no can be like (laughs) devastating right like make it mean something because you're not used to hearing that And, um, so it's really interesting if you think about that too, the kind of the different tolerance levels, um, based on kind of the culture or the environment that you're in. And so I think that that's something again, to better understand about yourself. Yeah. And I think with that too, like for salespeople, obviously seeing rejection on a daily basis, multiple times a day. Um, I think that 
can all, that's obviously really good. It's growth for them. Mm -hmm. They don't see it as this big failure um, of them getting rejected multiple times a day because that's just how sales is. Um, but I think when rejection becomes a problem is when you are feeling that shame and it is keeping you from um, doing things that you have set up to do because you're worried about the rejection. Yeah. Like salespeople go after it with the, that like knowing of they're going to be rejected. Right. And they probably don't even, wouldn't even context it in right. that way. That's not how they would even articulate it. It's just, yeah, yeah you have to get all the no's, you know, to yeah. even find that right. one yes. Um, I think expectations can create rejection. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a very like indirect form of rejection that people mm -hmm. experience, but having an expectation that someone or something actually, um, you know, meets your standard mm -hmm. and then it doesn't and you make it mean something about you, like what? You feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath you. You have an example on that? <laughs> Um, you know, I think, well, here's a, here's a real <laughs> simple one, but before we left for the holiday weekend, um, we had went to Lowe's to get a sink, like a vanity sink replacement for one mm -hmm. of our bathrooms. And, um, on the way home, Bryce, my husband, your, your dad, <laughs> Right. Okay, cut out that part. <laughs> Keep going. On the way home, um, he said, do not expect me to install this tonight. I've got a million and one things I've got to do in preparation for our long weekend. Because you guys were leaving the next day. Yeah. And he's like, I really am not going to have time to install this. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought to myself... <laughs> I was impressed that he said that because he wouldn't normally say something like that. And I would have the expectation and then he wouldn't do that. And I would absolutely make that mean something about me. Like I wasn't worthy enough or he doesn't love me enough or he doesn't care enough or that his, you know, to-do list is more important than my to-do list. Like mm -hmm. I could go on and on and on because I would have had that expectation. And I just thought that was so like appropriate for him to just manage my expectations around that. And it alleviated or eliminated any sort of rejection that mm -hmm. I probably would have felt only because of my own, you know, saboteur thoughts that <laughs> had nothing to do with him, but good to have learning. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I don't know. Unmet expectations I think can also be a source of yeah. rejection. Um, self-doubt and insecurity obviously sure. a source of rejection it's your own feelings of inadequacy or low self-esteem um, people when they don't feel confident um, they interpret rejection as a confirmation of their negative self-perception so mm -hmm. that's another source um past experiences like we've talked about I can think it's so interesting when I think of rejection I don't think so much about recent events what immediately mm -hmm. comes to mind is events in my childhood 
So I'll be super curious to hear. I mean, you're you're a young adult, <laughs> so you obviously don't have as long of a right. span to look back on. But I'll be curious to hear, like, where the examples of rejection come in for you. I don't feel like they're from when I was a kid. I don't, I don't feel like I remember that much from when I was a kid. Suppressed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like, I don't know, there's instances here and there. Um, like when I was in high school, I didn't make the varsity soccer team when a couple of my friends did. And I remember feeling like, I mean, there were a couple of other of friends of mine that didn't make it too. And so we all got placed on the same team together and like that made it better. But I still mm -hmm. remember feeling that like, oh, like it would have been nice, you know, to be <laughs> on that top team with my other friends and that like obviously that was the goal for everyone was to make the highest team so then when we came back that some of us got put on the lower one yeah I remember feeling that rejection mm -hmm. for sure yeah and it made me honestly it made me not really put that much effort into the team that I was placed on yeah so yeah I definitely I, because of shame I feel like I was like hmm well, this team doesn't really matter anyways, because it's not the top team, so. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, and that's that was probably your way of coping. Yeah. Like, kind of distracting yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so, ultimately, what I really want people to take away from this podcast is that the feeling of rejection is a very universal human experience. Um it's not one that you should feel like you have to avoid or that you have to run from or that you have to numb. It's totally fine to be feeling reject, rejected. And it's actually what makes the feeling of belonging even like you're only capable of feeling like you belong because you've experienced the contrast. Yeah. Um, so... Is it fun? No. Can you um, learn how to navigate it and not be afraid of it? Yes, absolutely. And so asking yourself, you know, what is it that I'm believing that's creating this emotion, this sense of fear, um, and then really questioning the validity of that thought, because mm -hmm. often it is coming from your survival brain, that the primitive brain, that you know, is offering you very dramatic thoughts. And so um, when you question the validity, it becomes very clear how dramatic those thoughts are and often not even true, mm -hmm. but yet we react to them because we aren't present enough because we go into a quick like hiding phase or a numbing phase that we don't have the wherewithal to even question. Yeah. We heard a really good... Um like saying with rejection when we were at a conference um at the beginning of the summer this the lady that started it cosmetics jamie lima mm -hmm. Hearn, right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh she she had keynoted at this conference and told us her story about how she started um the it cosmetics company and how she went through rejection after rejection after rejection like to the point where if they didn't land this last deal, like the company was over. Like she, they had thrown all of her and her husband had thrown all of their money into 
this company because she believed in it so much and um, like knew that it had a place for um, people in the market. And so they believed in it and they just kept going after it, even though they kept getting all of these no's, these people being like, no, they're, this would never work in the market. Like you're crazy. Like, mm -hmm. and they were actually, I mean, I felt like her story was so relatable and mm -hmm. she was like hit below the belt so many times because mm -hmm. they weren't only like rejecting her product yeah. or rejecting her business. They were rejecting her yeah. and they were her making it very much about her appearance and mm -hmm. whether she could represent the brand, you know, and be the CEO and the face of it and yeah. talking about, yeah, her weight. And, you know, it was just, it was, you that story we could all relate to. And she definitely had all of us, you know, yeah. hanging on every word because I think every woman has been there where um, maybe you haven't heard that, like, you know, said to your face, but you've maybe heard people, you know, that have talked about you behind your back or that you speculate that people mm -hmm. have those thoughts and feelings about you, which regardless the feelings are still the same you know you have to check your thinking about whatever the circumstance is and that's the source knowing that that's the source that's what you actually have control over yeah. um so jamie you know here is being faced with people that are in an authority type position um people that she thought were very mm -hmm. well-renowned respectable people who were you know, throwing really low blows out of her. And, you know, she, she thought these were credible people. She thought these are the people that she should be listening to and believing. And they're, you know, attacking her, her personal, like, you mm -hmm. know, persona, I guess. And um, so thankfully she had a stronger self concept that she could question that. Yeah. And, um, her story is definitely a kind of a rags to riches story, but it's, yeah. it's also one of triumph where the, she did value herself. She had a really strong faith. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, she talks about how rejection in all of these cases were really God's protection. Yeah. And that's how she chooses to think about rejection today is that there's a gift and an opportunity built into it. Mm -hmm. And it's our job to find that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was something that, you know, really landed with us. And yeah. anytime we're rejected, you know, quote unquote, rejected, we hear a no. Um, we have to really think about, you know, what are we maybe being protected from? And yeah. it's not always, you know, right. No. It's not always what we're being protected from, but <clears throat> there may be an underlying gift yeah. or an opportunity that we're just not seeing. Because if we're over here spinning out in the fear and the drama, we're certainly not able to tap into any sort of discovery of, you know, what else might be going on? What else is there for us to see? Um, yeah, what, you know, a different perspective on this situation. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, I, that stuck with me. <clears throat> and I feel like that every time that we um, kind of hit a roadblock or whatever it may be with the company, I always hear that, like, the rejection is God's protection. And, like, even if you're not very religious, like, it just means that, like, everything happens for a reason. And it's not, it's okay to not know what that reason is. Um, but again, like letting that rejection, um, like take you down or stop you from what you're doing yeah, is like, that's when you, that's where you really fail or you like, you'll never reach your goals if, um, you're letting those, um, points of rejection, like dictate how you're going to move forward. Yeah. I so, think it's kind of interesting because you can really kind of question how you define that word rejection. Mm -hmm. Is it a circumstance? Mm -hmm. Is it a thought? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? Like, isn't it interesting that it's very much like the word control? You know, again, is that a circumstance? Is it a thought? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? I get asked that all the time mm -hmm. when I'm on podcasts because I talk about how, you know, our four-step system creates a sense of self-control mm -hmm. and a lot of hosts, podcast hosts ask me like, how do you define self-control? And I think of it as a feeling um, where they're usually thinking about it as an action. Yeah. Um, and I think rejection is very similar. I think a lot of people think of it as a circumstance. Mm -hmm. I've been rejected when in reality, that's a thought that's a thought that you're having about a circumstance. Mm -hmm. So if I was to, um, you know, the circumstance for me back when I was in seventh grade was I didn't make the volleyball team. That's the circumstance. I was feeling rejected because, you know, I was probably thinking I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. um, my mom might have thought she was rejected you know, from the school or the coach or whatever, as if that's a circumstance. It's not. You get to choose how you're going to think about the very mm -hmm. neutral circumstance of not making the team. So I think it's just another point of clarification yeah. and recognizing, you know, again, this is just an exercise of understanding yourself more right. and how you are unintentionally or intentionally choosing to think and feel about certain circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully that is helpful to people listening. Um, Cause yeah, it's, it happens all the time in life and it's the way yeah. you choose to think about it. That's gonna get you through it. So. Yeah, I, most of the time when I am really struggling with or procrastinating, I should say, um, on doing something like recording a video or creating the next program or even making an offer, it's almost always because I'm afraid of being rejected. Mm -hmm. And then when I really think about that, immediately what comes to mind is childhood memories. And so I have to respond to that with compassion and empathy. It makes perfect sense that my brain goes right back to that day when those names, that list of names was posted because I have like 
relived that so many times. It's a very well-driven neural pathway. So it makes perfect sense that I go back there, but I can just recognize why it's happening and I can like intercept it. Like that doesn't define me. That shouldn't stop me. Now is an opportunity to prove otherwise that I am very capable. I actually have something that can help people. If mm -hmm. I don't offer it, I'm actually doing them a disservice. So, yeah. um, but I can't get there from that place back in eighth grade. I mm -hmm. have to be able to question that thinking from this place today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we introduce our new segment? Yes. So we, um, realized <laughs> through our analytics, <laughs> through looking at data that you guys liked listening to us coach one another. Mm -hmm. I think you liked me coaching Gracie more than Gracie coaching me. Yeah. But, um, and I think it had a lot to do with the topic, but maybe anyways, um, we thought it would be really interesting to give you the opportunity to get coached in kind of an anonymous way. Mm -hmm. So what we would love to offer you is the opportunity to send us any sort of circumstance or any sort of situation, si problem. Yeah. That you're struggling with. Um, and then get two different generational perspectives. Um, and so today we're going to use one that, um, I think a lot of people can relate to. I have a client who just brought this forward um, on a recent coaching call where her daughter is on her second day at school and she's sending her mom a text saying, come get me. And her mom said, why? And she said, I just can't. Like, I can't do this. I can't, she just, wants to be gone, right? She just wants mm -hmm. her mom to come pick her up and kind of save her from having to experience whatever it is that she's experiencing on her second day of school. And her mom said, you know, this is a pattern. This is how she's been. Um, she's like, we'll send her to camp. And 24 hours later, she's texting us or calling us and saying, come get me. She's like, I have numerous experiences and she's like and we do we jump in the car we go get her and she's like but i recognize that my child is never going to build resilience if i keep coming to her rescue not even helping her process these feelings just picking her up bringing her home and kind of going through this same routine and so um, she really wanted some help on how to think about this because she was at the moment, she was really struggling with a lot of guilt, um, for not getting in the car and picking her up. She's like, what kind of mom am I to leave her there suffering? And I thought this is so interesting. And I wanted to know where her guilt was coming from. It was coming from this belief that I'm not a good mom unless I go and relieve my child from suffering. Okay. So I'm curious how, what kind of advice from a coach's perspective, like a young coach, yeah. <laughs> how would you coach the child who's on day two of school? 
Yeah, I think we would need to know maybe a little bit more of where her head is at, like what her um, her thinking is mm -hmm. um, on this situation because I think not unlike a lot of kids, like school is not like, it's not their favorite place to be. Yeah, okay, so put yourself back in high school, like mm -hmm. as a freshman and day two, where you're just starting to kind of learn like where your classes are, yeah. where your locker is at, um, who's in your classes with you, mm -hmm. what friends are gonna have your lunch, and you're maybe feeling like, you know, everything has went to hell in a handbasket, and you're like, oh my yeah. God, this is going to suck. The school year, the semester, quarter, yeah. um, is not at all what I had hoped it to be. Like, okay, let's just go with that. Like, let's say that that's what she's thinking. And then what would my advice be to that? Yes. Or Yeah, so, because this mom's wanting to, like, she's definitely resisting the urge to go pick her up. Yeah. But she's also deeply wanting to help her daughter build some resilience. And yeah. so if you can kind of come at it from the, you know, young adult perspective, it hasn't been that many years since you were there. How would you coach? Yeah, I would say I would try to get her daughter um, into a more open-minded way of thinking about school um, because, like you said, it's only day two. And while that can be a really, like, overwhelming and stressful time for people, um, especially people that don't love school in general, um, it could be really amazing. She could meet all of these new people. She could um, really enjoy some of her classes. Mm -hmm. She could find new interests um, and things she likes to do. Mm -hmm. So what, to what actionables would you give the mom? To get to the daughter? Mm -hmm. I would say to um, help her, I would, I would say she should really try to help her daughter see um, both sides of the coin on this, um, to really strip away the drama of like, school's really awful, I hate it here, I can't do it anymore, um, and to just really narrow down the facts. Like, I'm at school, it's only day two, I'm in these classes with these people, um, like really, really get um, very like factual about it mm -hmm. so that we're taking out all of the things that she maybe doesn't like and then challenging her to think of school as um, something to get excited about. Obviously that would take more than just like asking that question. There would be need to be some coaching in there for mm -hmm. it, but um, at least getting her to a ne more neutral state of mind about school and being in school mm -hmm. would help probably take some of those nerves and um, or whatever bad unwanted feelings she's having about it mm -hmm. away. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I would also add to that, like, are there past experiences mm -hmm. that would maybe lend itself to um, helping her believe that this maybe is a time thing. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, we get a little anxious um, or panicky even in these kind of 
you know, unfamiliar environments, but with time, you know, we start to settle in and, you know, and helping her come up with other experiences that she can draw from that, you know, that was true. Yeah. So really good advice. Um, I think I would help the mom not be so black and white in her thinking. Like I'm either going to go get her or I'm not. Yeah. You know, how could you, um, or I'm going to go get her and like save her from this suffering. And if I don't, she's going to stay at school and suffer. Yeah. Like that's the black and white thinking that I think the mom is, um, stuck in. Mm-hmm. And I think helping the mom come up with a better feeling thought, like I can help my daughter, like process these emotions while she stays at school, you know, so it becomes, you know, there's an alternative. There is that middle ground. What would that look like? You know, if the mom is really feeling like I'm throwing her to the wolves and, you know, she's at school suffering and, you know, really questioning the mental or physical safety of her daughter, which I think is where the mom was going. She's like, how can I just sit here? You know, that is unnecessary suffering on the mom's part, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of resources. So now let's think about what other resources, what other support can we lean into? Yeah. But this black and white, either or right or wrong kind of thinking does not serve the mom at all. Yeah. Um, And recognizing that, you know, it makes sense that this is the go-to reaction for the daughter because these are the ex- kinds of experiences we've taught her how to treat us. Yeah, you know, become a pattern. It's become a pattern. Um, and so now we have to kind of unlearn that. Um, we also want to give our child the opportunity to create resilience. Mm-hmm. And that does look like having them fight some of these battles, us not coming in and saving them, keeping them from feeling any sort of pain. The truth of the matter is we all suffer. It's through suffrage that we actually create resilience. So stripping your child from the, you know, ability to create that resiliency is not doing them any favors. So you, I don't think that we need to allow our children to unnecessarily suffer like that or unnecessary suffering. Like, I don't think that what that looks like is this compounded, like, um, I'm, you know, I don't want to be here anymore because I don't fit in or I'm not, um, you know, all of my other friends are in this class and I got stuck in this class. And then, you know, now beating yourself up over that kind of judgment and really kind of spinning out. That's what unnecessary suffering is. Mm -hmm. And you can see the potential for that happening on both the mom and the daughter's parts. Um, And it is just that it's unnecessary, but suffering or feeling pain is part of life. And it actually has a purpose. It puts the context around feeling joy, feeling satisfaction, Mm -hmm. feeling like you belong, right? The pain is what makes that even possible. Yeah. So I think I love your advice 
for the daughter and hopefully um, any mom or dad who's listening um, can kind of challenge their thinking, um, especially if it's black and white thinking mm -hmm. around how to help their child. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think if this is something that um, is of interest to you, if you liked hearing um, how we walk through somebody else's circumstance, if you have something that you're struggling with, you really can't figure out how to work through, send it in. We'll leave my email or yours. We can leave mine. Um, it's gracie at self, S-E-L-F dash made M-A-D-E U, the letter U. Um, I'll leave it in the show dot notes. Com. Yeah, dot com. I'll leave that in the show notes as well so you can find it there. And then that way you get the two different perspectives. <clears throat> and I think yeah. that that can be really, really valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully whatever you bring to the table will not only help you, but everybody else that's listening that can relate. Mm -hmm. So, And of course, it'll remain anonymous. Yeah, yeah, no, we would never share any names or anything like that. So yeah, don't have to worry about that. And then we also want to just remind you of um, Free Coaching Friday. Mm -hmm. That is a group coaching session that we offer um, at least twice a month. And then we, in addition to that, we also have master classes that are very topical where we're actually taking the four step um, process that we teach people how to, you know, coach themselves. Um, we very poignantly put it to work on a, on a particular topic. So on September 15th, we'll be talking about um, professional performance. And like I said, um, we also have free coaching Friday on yeah. the off Fridays where if you want to get coached, you are invited to come and raise your hand or you can just sit back and listen to other people being coached. The yeah. value of that is that you'll be leaving with some really great questions to ask yourself when you are like in a self-coaching session. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, good job. This was yeah. another you too. great. This was uh, episode number 14. So yeah, moving right well, along. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, you guys. We'll talk to you soon.